Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And I'm down in dunk. This is Lee Dort, and I'm down to Dort. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Basley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Salmon Toast Crunch. Cracklin Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, not as always, never really on Sundays, is Michele Bear. Michele, what's up? All good here. I mean, we used to record on Sunday uh, from time to time uh, in the past. That's true. But never live. It's been a while. Yeah, never live. That's true. You, we used to record and then drop it later. But, you know, mm-hmm. we got to do it live. It's just so much better live. You guys can join us and throw in some comments. Let us know about the, the dumb things that we're saying as we're saying them. So it's uh, it's great. And, uh, and it's a good reminder for those that are just listening to the podcast to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube.com, search down to dunk, hit subscribe. You can hit the little bell. to let you guys know when we go live. And then you can join us. We can have a good time. So be sure to do that. Uh, Michele, last night, the Thunder played another really great tank game, man. I, I'll tell you. Awesome. I was riding high after that one. Uh, Joe Masato was actually giggling at me a little bit afterwards about how happy I was. <laughs> uh, but it was great, You were man. very serious, though, during the telecast. They showed you, like, a couple of times you were very composed. So. Is that right? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, I've uh, I've had to. Uh, th- there were probably points. Where the mask helps a lot. It makes me look probably more serious than I am at times. Um, fun, really fun game. I mean, honestly, the Thunder played some really good basketball at points and played some really bad basketball at points. Um, mm-hmm. And that Cavs team is just really fun to watch. They're so wacky. It's such a weird team uh, to watch, and so it was just a fun night of basketball, man. Yeah, it was. And the first two quarters were like very good for, in terms of shot quality for OKC. They were super sharp in executing, finding the corners, beat the zone and stuff like that. And they took advantage of every mistake that Cleveland was uh, was having uh, out there. And then the second half, well, Cleveland show why they are so good at defense, why Mobley can be... Um, such an important piece of a very good defense and and OKC stopped executing uh, at a very high level and that helped the tanking um, quite a bit. But, um, you know, there are games like this, you learn a lot uh, on your team. Like you learn that when they have, they'll have shooting around 
everything will be easier, but they still have, um, they still need to execute at a very high level. Mm. And if they execute very, very well, then they may be dangerous already uh, on any given night. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. They, I felt a little bit like some of the stuff they were doing in the first half was a little unsustainable um, mm-hmm. as far as like the scoring stuff goes. So I was, when they were up by like 12 to 15, I was like, this. it just didn't, there's nothing about it that really felt real to me. Um, yeah. So I was curious to see how Cleveland would respond because Cleveland's been good all year. And it's yeah. been... Like they do things that are sustainably good is that they are they just have a bigger, longer team than anybody else. Like that's yeah. that's honestly what's so different about them. And the fact that Jared Allen and Evan Mobley can move their feet really well, it just makes all the difference. Like it makes yes. like that's how that's how you do it. Most teams can't do this. Like the Thunder can't do this. One, they don't really have any seven footers <laughs> too. Um Teams just don't do this because guys can't move their feet. And even Markkanen's not great. Like Dort really had what he went. If Dort just continued to drive on Markkanen, he was going to get what he wanted. Um, but they have put him in like JB Bickerstaff, like give him credit because he's found places to kind of hide him on yeah. the defensive end to where he's not like a huge liability. Cause, and I, and that's one thing that I will, I'll be watching for come playoff time is how, do the Eastern Conference, whoever their Eastern Conference matchup is, how do they find marketing, you know, um, on that end? Because that's that's the switch, right? That's how you that's yes. how you're gonna get points is through him. But Mobley can stay with guys. Jared Allen is decent at staying with guys on the perimeter. Uh Baisley blew by him last night on, you know, more than one occasion uh and yeah. got to the rim. He had that ferocious dunk, which was kind of cool. Um yeah, that was very cool. Yeah. Very cool dunk. Yeah, it was a really nice play. Basley had a a fun game last night. He played really well for the most part. He, however, he was a part. I, th- I think sometimes when Basley gets it going, like his confidence level, I don't know. It's it's as if like doing the right things takes his confidence level to on to the next level where it's like, okay, now that I've done those things, let Can me do more. Let me bring out this new checklist, right? Yeah. Like I feel like he does like the checklist of like dunk, corner three, easy shots, rebound, defense, great. I've checked all those boxes. Now it's time to go get mine. And then he goes and he does his thing. And it's like, no, no, yeah. like stay, stay over here. Stay on this checklist because this checklist is very good for you. Like this is your yeah. payday. Like, this is how you make it and get paid in the NBA. Obviously, that other checklist is how you get max money and like superstars, right? But mm-hmm. he's not that. Stay over here. You're going to get a nice payday if you stay over here. And that's like, that's the whole thing with Baisley right now is can he just harness it himself? Because like during the Cavs' big run, Baisley had this like horrific airball three that was just like why are you doing yeah. this like above the brick three right now like that's not like that's not your shot you should have moved the ball and yeah mark talked about it after the game that like the blender basically just shut off in the third quarter and that like nothing was getting done as far as the offense going and yeah they, was they, they really stopped executing yeah they um, really did 
And Cleveland put up a better effort, to be sure. I mean, that was also part of why sure. the execution was a bit tougher. And for example, um, and I discussed this a little bit with John on Thunder After Dark, but um, I think that Giddy had his um, had a night where, I mean, they, he really struggled uh, with with length. I mean, yeah. the, the usual um, getting down there, uh, back to the basket, and someone will cut and I will find him. Uh, really didn't work because Cleveland has hold the length of the board and like finding windows, passing windows uh, through all those arms, like extremely long arms, is uh, is very difficult. And so I think that that was also a factor. But but the um, the way in which OKC decided, well, now we we just hunt mismatches and and one one that that doesn't work i mean it can work from time to time you surely need to uh to do it when you can you can take the, the defense when it's not set for example shea anticipated the defense a couple of times and just had a clear way to the basket that is good but when the defense is set and is waiting for you you really need to do something else yeah. and that something else is the thing that is missing you said i mean the beginning of the game was not sustainable true in terms of percentage but i also did not so you know see that the, the same shot quality for the rest of the game mm-hmm. and i kind of bet that had they stick with that a little bit longer i mean this could have been a, a win for okc yeah and i mean honestly kenrich is somebody that kind of keeps them in the blender to a degree mm-hmm. and they didn't like not having him like last night like the value like you saw it that the value wasn't there and Kenrich uh-huh. provides a ton of that value. So there's some of that. Um, what did you think of Josh's corner three? Did you did you watch that intently? Is in the first half? Yeah, I did. I um, did. I, I just think that that is an easier shot, and 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 it's not that he takes um, like better. Like it's not that he's better at it. It's just that uh, probably it's a little bit of, a, of an easier shot, and it's. I think that in, in basketball, the corner and the the the, cent- the three from like the top of the key are the easier shots. Uh, the above the break, it's the one where you, you really need to to be great uh, to take those. Yeah. And so I think the difference is just that. Um, but I I want him to take those. I mean, those are there if he wants to take them. And so, so same for Dort. I mean, he can hit above the break trees. But why not the corners? Yeah. And there was a time I vividly remember when Baisley was misplaced in the corner, and like it was the time where Cleveland was like getting getting closer, and there were two three possessions where there was miscommunications in offense, and and like Giddy wanted to be in the corner, but that was Baisley, so there was a little bit of um, miscommunication there. And in games like this, it's all that matter. I mean, it's basically one possession, one and a half possessions. Uh, so it's, um, but it's normal for a team like this not be able to execute at, at the very high level yeah. um, in clutch time. Well, I mean, this is this is why young teams don't win. Like this is, mm-hmm. like, it's just as simple as that. Um, I don't know. I thought that just that three specifically. I went back and watched all his possessions this morning. And Josh, I mean, what did he have? Eight shots last night. It's not like there were a lot, but that corner three, his his release is already quite a bit faster than it was last year at the NBL. Is mm-hmm. why I brought it up. Just because it looked good, it looked natural. There was like zero hesitation. There was zero thought into it. Like he was just in the game, and the game mm-hmm. came right to his fingertips, and he just 
let it fly. And I thought that was really important. It's just really important for me like to see that, that there's no hesitation. There's no like catching jab step because like Markinen, like he could have caught it and just flown by Markinen and probably gotten to the rim, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. But he, the fact that he's willing to take that corner three without hesitation, I think, um, I think that's a really good thing. I just, I was just excited to see that. Oh, I think Michaelis frozen. The rest of the game, I thought, was pretty was pretty brutal um, for the Thunder. Ultimately, the it's the best thing for them. It's the best thing for this team to lose a game like that to Cleveland. Um, I didn't realize that like this was like the last game of a six game road trip for the Cavaliers. Yeah, which like man, it made it even more impressive watching them because they were giving it they were giving it their all all night. Yes. And to do that second out of a back to back, last game of a six game road trip, that's a that's a schedule loss. I don't care who you're playing. Especially yeah. if you're playing the try hard Oklahoma City Thunder, it's a schedule loss. And it looked like that for again 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, and the the um, the thing that makes the performance of Cleveland even more impressive is that for the first four or five minutes of the third quarter like OKC was improving uh, the margin, like yeah. they were getting better. They, they they went to plus eighteen, I think. Yeah, and there was a, the moment where Muscala was hitting, everyone was hitting trees, and they stuck with it. And said, "Okay, like do your thing." And then as soon as, and then Garland took control of the game. Um, it was so quite a performance for for Garland. He played a lot, and Bickerstaff made another very good move. He decided to start the fourth quarter with him on the court. Yeah, like that was a move to say, okay, he really wants it, and um, and it worked. I mean, it was out there; no one could cut him. Uh, and um, and in those moments, I think that the game was won. Yeah, it was that, and then they stopped playing Lamar Stevens and Isaac Okoro and and let Dylan Windler play, and yeah. that helped them yeah. a lot too because it opened up space for them, and with their big lineup. I know marketing can shoot it. That's great, but they needed it. They needed another shooter out there, and yeah. you know Stevens is a is a nice try hard wing, uh, but Shea was kind of having his way with him all night. Yeah, and from the first possession, Stevens was so frustrated that Shea got him in the air and got that foul. Uh, he was running across the court, just like dropping f bombs like crazy. He was so mad that he got that that call was on him. Um, it's funny. Uh, and then another one happened later in the game where Shea got the three free throws and Bickerstaff was so mad because, and Bickerstaff was right because the motion Shea got him in the air and then Shea kind of got around him and did that weird shooting motion to get the foul. Well, that's supposed to be taken out of the game. Like that's not supposed to be a part of this, this game anymore. And he, he was so funny just arguing with the officials. He was he's one of the more animated coaches out there. He he and Mark actually like put on a show out there with the way they talk to officials. It's actually pretty funny. Yeah, it was also it was also very weird, uh, the officiating. I mean, for the first two quarters, they were allowing any contact. Like just everything. You could almost murder a guy and that would have been fine. And then they they changed. Um it it was like quite evident to me that uh, they, they corrected a bit and mm-hmm. players took 
I think five to six minutes to adjust and then it was fine anyway. It was not like from either side. It, it was just contact everywhere mm-hmm. on both sides and, and then they tighten up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It, and there was a lot of arguing with the officials as mm-hmm. as everything kind of played out. Uh, Shea's passing last night during really the first half was like really on point too. Yes. I was quite impressed with the on the playmaking side from Shea. Uh, he was finding the corners. He was finding the roller. And again, this this is not the finished product team. And whenever if you add like a legit threat, either as a roller or as a shooter, the fact that you have Giddy and Shea, they are both going to be able to find those guys is such a big deal. And the fact that and kind of why I pointed out Giddy taking that corner three, like that's it's important because that's going to be the corner that's open whenever they eventually get somebody else that can shoot it. And if Giddy can hit that shot, he's he's shooting 39% from the corners this year. If that can be a number that holds like that and like the corner, you shouldn't judge it the same way that you judge an entire three point shot. Like the corner should be 39, 40%. Your three-point yeah. shot overall could be 36 or 37, but the corners are all, should always be better. They should always be higher than what you think of a, a traditional shooter. So if he can be a 37 to 42% three-point shooter from the corners, then suddenly having that guy in the other corner that can really shoot it or at the, above the break that can really shoot it, like that, that's going to matter so much more. So just the fact that he's just willing to let it fly – you know, is really good. And I'm trying to view this team as like this incomplete product that is, or like, an in, like it's almost like a, a car that's like missing like tons of parts, you know, like, okay, mm-hmm. like it's looking good here. It's looking good there, but we need to add this or we need to add that. And you can see just the giant holes that are in this roster. And if you watch any of these guys in the NCAA right now, you're like, oh, like, guys one through five could really fill some of these holes, you know? Yeah. And I kind of, some of the good news within some of the draft stuff recently is that there are a lot of guys showing out. There's a lot of guys that look really good. It's not just three. I think that there's going to be more than three guys. Obviously it'll be similar to what this last draft was where <clears throat> like Cade Cunningham looks really good. And Evan Mobley looks really good. And Scotty Barnes looks really good. Those top guys are always going to look better. But the fact that maybe you have like less question marks as you get to four, five, six, I think yeah. is quite important. Just because you don't know what kind of luck you're going to have. I mean... Yeah, granted. I mean, last year was a um, five to six player players draft. Yeah. And we got the six pick. It would be nice to have again a six players draft maybe getting a little bit better yeah <laughs> you exactly. know even if it's, it's if it's a six player draft you, you don't necessarily want to be uh, the one who picks last mm-hmm. uh, even if again uh, i think they found um a great player uh in giddy yeah, on the corner good. trees the issue with with that and with the idea of basketball is at least i have in mind is that if you play like houston did with harden it's completely fine to have a 40% three-point shooter uh, from the, the corners only. Like you, you place him there, uh, Harden does his thing. Maybe someone like gets, takes a screen and 
and that's it. Like no one has to move, no one has to do sophisticated things. Yeah. I don't think that this is the offense that suits Giddy the best. Maybe it suits Shea um, because he can play that kind of basketball and he did for uh, the majority of the first half, like attacking, finding corners, finding cutters. Mm-hmm. That can be a way to play basketball. I wonder if Shea and Giddy, uh, if they w- want to play together, they need to be more involved. It needs to be movement all around. Yeah. And then it's it makes it a little bit harder to say, hey, you are just a corner tree um shooter like mm-hmm. it's it's harder because you, you may not be in the corner for like a lot of seconds and yeah. you may need the, you may get the ball in other part of the of the court and you have to be effective so it's um it's also about like if you look golden state they have a lot of versatile shooter that that is what you really need i mean Poole can hit from anywhere thompson can hit from anywhere curry can dre is limited but he's in a in a specific part of the of the court, like he operates at the top of the key, mm-hmm. uh, and that was still a weakness, the biggest weakness uh, of Golden State's that lineup. So, sure. I'm fine with Giddy being a corner three point shooter now, and I'm probably fine also in the future because I want him to be the lead ball handler, and then maybe when he relocates, he can relocate to the corner mm-hmm. uh, after a few motion. Uh, but but then the question is, what can Shea do in in that setting? Like, yeah. and that is still to be decided. I know that he can do a lot of stuff. He's a better shooter than probably anyone else uh, with the feet set, maybe with the exception of Muscala and Tejerome. Um, yeah. You just have to create opportunities. And um, and that I think it's uh, could be the, the focal point of this summer. Like, just find a way to have Gideon Shea orchestrating an offense together and not, hey, when Shea is on the ball, we do pick and roll, uh, then he tries to get to the basket, if not, corner. Yeah, I, I'm just, there's just so many paths they can take. And watching Cleveland last night kind of shows you that. I don't think Cleveland set out trying to build this team. Like they weren't like, hey, we're gonna build this giant team. And, you know, have this kind of small point guard to kind of lead everything. But everybody else is going to be giant. Like, no, like they were opportunistic with trades. Um, mm-hmm. They were opportunistic with the signing of marketing. And then they just drafted two guys in the top five. And they drafted Garland yeah. at five. They drafted Mobley at three. And suddenly they're a team that looks pretty good. I mean, even after last year, you have Sexton and, and Garland and, you still win 20 games or whatever they won. And it's like, oh boy, like they're so far away. Well, turns out just adding Evan Mobley and, you know, shifting a couple of things around changed everything. And the same could be said for the Thunder. And the Thunder already have more pieces than than Cleveland did. And, you know, more pieces that I would feel confident in with Shea and with Giddy. And... You know, they have to figure out what they're going to do with Sexton and does he fit and do do they re-sign him? Do they sign and trade him? Like, whatever. Like, that's another just asset that they have, which is nice to have uh, for them. But the Thunder are on a similar schedule, but you have to remember where they're at. Like, they're in the middle of year two. You know, in the middle of year two, for for them, they were just on the verge of selecting Isaac Okoro. You know, in the draft, which is a guy that I really liked in the draft. I still believe in him to an extent. He did not play well against Oklahoma City last night um, and had actually some moments that I was like pretty concerned about like decision making and stuff like that with him. He just wasn't very good. Um, But 
you might miss. <laughs> like they miss. Like yeah, they, but even they missed. Dad, and, like, they've missed, and they still are making it work. You know, they still made it work. You hit yeah, two but, two out of three years, and you're still okay. But would you like? I was looking right now uh, at the 2020 draft. Like, it's not that they screw up. Sure. It's that after him, there was nobody. That was a bad draft. <laughs> like, like, can I read it? Like, I'll read the names after him. Yeah. Um, number seven, Kylian Ace. Oh, sorry, number six, Okongu. Okongu. Okay, but I get, I get why they don't. But they, the fit, the fit's not there. Yeah. Yeah. Kylian Ace, no. Uh, Obi Toppin, no. Denny Advi, Avdia, no. Jalen Smith. I kind of like Denny. No. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make a difference to me. Okay, uh, I, I never, never liked the guy. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's Halliburton is the one. Yeah, but 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 come on, they, they they would never draft him with the guys that they have, which is probably wrong because you you, you can't. It move shows why it's and, like this, like this full picture. Because that's the thing is like we're so sometimes we are so zoomed in on what the team has now that we're unwilling to part with pieces that later sure. may not look like they fit. Sure. Let's say, let's say high burden. Yes. It's one. Then Keir Lewis Jr. No. Aaron Naismith. No. Cole Anthony. No. Yes. But come on. Let's say two. Hmm. Isaiah Stewart. Mm. Pokoshevsky. No. Josh Green. No. Sadiq Bey. Yes. We are at 19. Yeah, yeah. So there are maybe four or five guys in the draft that there is Maxi and blah, mm-hmm. blah. Let's say even six or seven guys. Like nobody in, in like in five spots after him was like there to be taken. Like Pat Williams, sure, but it was earlier. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's, it's not point. that they dramatically screw up yeah. with with the core. They and it's like to be honest with you, everyone at that spot would have taken him, maybe Kilianese, someone or Congo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, it's true. That's that's totally true. Um. I'd also say this for like, like Jaden Ivey doesn't look like a fit for Oklahoma City. Like I'll say mm-hmm. that. However, I got still think you take best talent available, you know, and you just see how it works. Like if you're four and Jabari, Chet, Paolo are gone, like at this point, I still think that you you take a swing at Jaden Ivey. I, st- I still think that you that you do it. Or, I mean, a lot of people are liking what Johnny Davis is doing right now. Like, maybe that's a mm-hmm. guy that would fit better just because of the shooting. Um, but he didn't have a shooting good, right? I, I Yeah, as, people, as, ju- people are still just don't trust it. They're not ready to trust the shooting yet. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't Sam know. does, so I, 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 I do. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again. Uh, again, it, it's worth um, like repeating the story that makes me believe in um, Sam's ability to detect if the shot will pin out or not. Uh, because yeah, maybe yeah. we have some young listener in terms of uh, in terms of the, how, how many how many years that they are listening to the pod. I remember one pod that Andrew did with uh, with Sam, uh, and I remember because I was in the U.S. I'm sure, uh, and I remember vividly where I was, and, and Sam said something like. Um, who was the player? Oh, Anderson? Uh, Justin Anderson? Was that yes, the guy? Justin Anderson. Yep. And, and he told Andrew, Andrew Justin Anderson uh, shot is very close to Andre Robertson's. Yeah, and I, I remember that. Was, I was like, what are you talking about, man? What, what are you saying? Are you crazy? Like, hmm. Anderson was shooting 40 plus percent um, 
on a quite high volume. Yeah. And he never, never developed a shot in the NBA. Nope. And I mean, since then, I mean, hey, when when Sam talks about the draft, but but about shooting especially, just trust him. Um, he has he has an act for that. Mm-hmm. And so if he says that Ivy can develop a shot, I I kind of kind of trust him. Um, and but he also, sure, said, he also the, said he thought Giddy could too. By the way, like yeah, he just thinks yeah. that Giddy will just do it. Um, yeah, which is encouraging. And and also yes. like we've seen so far this season that it's just falling. And he, you know, I asked him about it again last night, and he's just he remains extremely confident in his shooting, yeah. regardless of if it goes in or not. He's just like I'm, just feel confident in it. Yeah, and he's unfazed by by anything that happens. So he can have like a high turnover game, and it's not that the next game he, he passes the ball less no. or or lowers the difficulties of the passes. He's just, hey, yeah, they, they got me. Okay, I'll do better. For an, for a nineteen year old, mentally, he is extremely strong, which is like such yeah. a good sign because sometimes guys don't come in and feel that way naturally. And it takes mm-hmm. them some time. Like I'll say, like, and I don't, I, I can't say that I know that Trey Man isn't as strong as Josh is mentally. He just is different. Like he's built differently and yeah. mentally than he is. And the Thunder are having to build him up a little bit differently than they are Josh, because I feel like they can just let Josh go. And I feel like yeah. so, some of like the like reel him in, put him back out there, reel him in, put him back out there with Trey is some of it is a mental game. Uh, as much as it is a um, like a basketball, like pure basketball, I feel like the same with Poku. I feel like the same stuff is with Poku because Poku doesn't have that same mentality. Poku, you'll see Poku kind of pouting out there a little bit sometimes mm-hmm. when he's not playing well, and I feel like some of the some of the, like the benching and even sending him to the G League, like some of it is like psychological stuff. And yeah. po- Poku was with the team last night, but he wasn't. He was inactive. He wasn't dressed. And he um, is sent back to the G League today. That was a part of the plan. They just wanted him to kind of be with the team so that maybe he mm-hmm. felt a part. And then he's not – there's a six-game road trip coming up that I I would guess they're not going to recall any of these guys for Teo, Poku, or Isaiah Roby won't be playing on the road trip. Um, they did recall Vit Krejci today in in which the, the, the way it was described to me was that – um, Vit is still rehabbing his ankle. He had that really bad ankle injury. He had to be carried off the court, actually. This happened on Christmas Eve. Um, mm-hmm. And he's still rehabbing. And this is somehow more of like a clerical type of thing for the Thunder than it is like a let's get ready for for Vit to play with the team. So, so don't, bad. Don't anticipate Vit playing with the Thunder on this road um, trip. Back, back on the best player available kind of discussion, mm-hmm. um, I think that you have to build um, a team by picking best available talent, but you have, you need to have talent to develop him. Yeah. But, uh, and so like taking another guard seems counterintuitive, like what are you doing? Like he needs the ball in sense. Uh, you have already way too many players that do that. True, um, but it's not that Dort's spot in the starting unit is something that you necessarily have to to take for granted. Like, mm-hmm. like 
he can be a factor of the bench. I mean, uh, a rotation with five guards, especially if one can guard threes and fours in, in Giddy, it's completely yeah. fine. Mm -hmm. Like, and you keep, and you can, you can develop all of them. Um, granted, probably you have to shed the minutes of a guy like Ty Jerome. Uh, you probably have to be more judicious on the minutes that you give to a guy like Kenrich Williams and or Aaron Wiggins, because mm -hmm. I mean, you can't play nine guards slash wings and I mean, maybe but i can. agree with you yeah you can but the, the, then you, you really question the time sometimes yeah. i like in game the, the 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 only bad news for me on the bad thing uh in, in on the cleveland the game against cleveland was hey why is ty jerome leading the team leading the being the lead ball handler just give the ball to trey like why why are you doing that mm -hmm. uh, i know that the tie is playing well and that probably tie is and will be uh kind of an asset at the deadline i think that he could be easily moved for a second rounder yeah. i think there are teams that are in need and and that is maybe why uh like say showcasing him for a couple of weeks and then trade him and get something i get that but at a certain point um you need to um to develop them and so you have to be judicious yes you can always take best available talent but you need to be mindful about the time that you have uh to develop those guys yeah yeah ty was hitting some deep threes last night yeah he got a big old haircut and got some big old deep threes last night that was really that was really fun i think he's yeah i mean his plus minus is uh is one of the top ones as well and who could have thunk that just some shooters help you out whenever they're on the court yeah, and this is why, like anything you do in the draft, you should be, you should have at least in the back of your mind, is he like a great shooter? We don't need like a good shoot, good enough shooter like yeah. Shea. We need yeah, yeah. great shooters, like guys that are like amazing at that. Yeah. And I think that um, this can be a focus. I mean, everyone knows that in, in OKC. I mean, just mm -hmm. look how Muscala is impacting the game. And imagine if you have a guy that you can give him 35 minutes and he's as effective. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. That, that is the key. Great shooting will unlock Giddy and Shea. Like even yes. one great shooter will unlock it for them. And if they're a movement shooter, even better. Like that's, yeah. like that's honestly, that's kind of what they need is a, like not just a standstill shooter. They need a movement shooter. No. Let's be greedy, though. Take one big man that can really shoot it and one guard that can move around like crazy. Because this, this is I, how I envision the team. Like yeah. having Gideon Shea, like a Duncan Robinson type of guard that can move around constantly, like Kyle Cover, mm -hmm. and then a wing that can, uh, a center that doesn't have to be that tall, yeah. um, but that, that, that can hit trees. Yeah. at a very high rate and yeah. that is a team that i think can 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 be extremely successful mm -hmm. yeah that's i mean that's why jabari smith is so intriguing it's because yeah. he can just really knock down shots Imponcaro to a degree is like really intriguing too um just his ability to score his ability to grab and go uh, yeah there's some guys in this draft that i think are really interesting um, mm -hmm. Even down to like eight, like I feel like there's just some guys that can mm -hmm. really play, which is exciting. Sam was really questioning Bankera's shot. That that yeah, that made me wonder. Like I need to, 
again, as, as per every year, I don't start until the season is over because uh, I want to focus on the NBA and mm-hmm. I don't have time. Um, but this is something where I will really dig into and try to maybe even watch some free throws and stuff like that because it's, it's, uh, when I saw the game against Gonzaga, it seems to me that, it seemed to me that he was like getting, getting there in terms of shooting. And that is a 32% three point shooter, which is not okay. I mean, yeah. of course, um, he can do other stuff, but yeah, he can do a lot of know. other stuff which will attract attention, which will bring help in a different way than like a pure mm-hmm. shooter does because he will attract, he will attract the attention of the defense. There's no doubt about that. Sure. Uh, all right, let's take a break. Come back. We'll talk more about this Thunder team. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. And we're back from that quick break. I thought it'd be a good time to take a look at the Tankathon standings, see where the Thunder are at after losing this game last night. I'll even bring it up here. Uh, on the stream, another benefit of subscribing to our YouTube channel. Um, so the Thunder currently sit at four. This is kind of where I have been saying for a while now, I think the Thunder will end up is at this fourth spot. Mm-hmm. Um, Indiana, however, uh, super duper sucks. They've won yeah. one game in their last 10 games, uh, which is That's really crazy. bad. They, now they've gotten Can some you make a brief comment yeah, on yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how many guys, like smart NBA people, uh, if you let them pick between Billy Donovan and, and Carlisle, mm. how mm. many picks Billy... Not very many. I mean, not many. And I was going back um, the other day in my mind saying, hey, Danny Schroeder's like incredible season was under Billy Donovan. Yep. Billy Donovan somehow got Chris Paul to buy in and with some like mistake in, during the playoffs, he kind of coached a great regular season with that team. Um, he had to, 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 he was the last coach uh, probably not the last one because in Houston, Westbrook was was good, but he was good, uh, a good coach for us. He coached that that great OKC team and lost two Golden State just because Clay Thompson went nuts, yep. uh, nuts in a in the most nuts way that you can think of. So is Billy Donovan an underrated coach? I kind of think so. Like 100%. like Chicago is 
good at defense. That is incredible. And they have been good at defense since he's been there. Exactly. Like, there's no, like it's not a Vucevic. coincidence. Yeah, with Vooch. Like, it is not a coincidence that they have been a top oh, 10-ish no. defense since he's been there. Every year. And but, but every team that he's, that he's coached is top 12 or more, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, I mean, I think a lot of, like, the the nitpicking that we had with Billy in hindsight, like, could have been directed toward a certain point guard or a certain team construction. Um, mm-hmm. Because Billy even took those, like did some good stuff with those teams. And ultimately they were just very flawed in the end and yeah. you couldn't get the job done. But it kind of Ferguson makes sense. He's out of the, of the league. Like, mm-hmm. and he played okay. Like he used to yeah. out of the league. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, and you just, in, in hindsight's twenty twenty, but you just wonder what if they would have brought Billy in a year or two earlier than they did, you know, mm-hmm. and would have let Scotty go and given Billy some more time with those guys. I think it would have been a really good thing. I think that um, maybe the the history of the Thunder is a little bit different, but I don't want to talk about that now. Let's talk about Tankathon. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's okay. No, Billy deserves a lot of credit, and, he, and even Sam Presti deserves a lot of credit for bringing Billy to the NBA. Yes, uh, you know. Although, like, the Magic tried to, and then, like, he had to go, and then he went back, and then, you know, Sam gets credit for, yeah. uh, you know, round two well, he, for bringing him He over. was successful. The other just tried. True. True. Uh, so, the Thunder set at fourth. Indy is scary to me because they've been so bad. They've got their guards back now. Maybe they can get things going, although Miles Turner has a some sort of foot injury, you know. I don't know if that's a trade me foot injury or if that's just a real foot injury. Um, yeah. But however, he won't be playing in tomorrow's game for Indy, which is a little little scary. Um, but but we'll see. We'll see what happens with them. I, I still hold firm to the, to the thought that the Thunder do not want to fall below this spot in the reverse yeah. standings that, are, that it will be. I mean, Orlando is just... Straight up bad. Detroit's won half their games recently and continues Great. to win games. So, but but they will trade Grant and they will. But Grant's not playing. Back. I know, I know. But this is situational. They're getting Kelly Olynyk back. Yeah, well, that may help. I'm just saying, like, there's they're they're going to be feisty like OKC. They're not good. They're not going to be frisky, frisky like like Low said. <laughs> yeah. They're frisky. Yeah, uh, they're that. Uh, Houston's not good. Houston super sucks, especially since they got their young guys back. If they if they were able to keep all their young guys at bay and play all their, their vets on their team, they would surpass OKC pretty quickly, I think. But mm-hmm. um, you put Shangun and Green and those guys out there, you're going to lose games. Just like with the Thunder. Like, this isn't a shot at – that's not a shot at them. Like, don't take it as oh, no. Like if the Thunder played just their young guys only, they would lose all the games. So don't don't take that as like me taking a shot at those guys. It's just that's the way that the league works. I mean, look at Orlando, Detroit, Houston, OKC. Why are they at the bottom? Why are those the bottom four teams? They're all young, all of them. You know? Why is Sacramento staying around eight? Like why have they been around eight for the last, you know, sixteen years? Well, it's because they don't they're not quite young enough. You know, you know, San Antonio, they're probably not quite young enough 
Minnesota is not young enough anymore. Um, like this is almost like an indicator of age more than it is anything else. You know, the six to 11 teams, you know, it's just, that's the way that it happens. Once your team starts, the core of your team starts to get older, you get pulled to the middle. That's what happens. And so, um, you know, the thunder, the odds still aren't wonderful there, but you know, you, you give yourself a chance, you know, you, you take a little spin here and they fall to seven. This happens to me every time that I take a little spin here. Great. That is awesome. Andrew. Uh, question for you. Um, if you're Houston, are you interested in trading for Ben Simmons at all? Well, the problem is like, what does Philly want that Houston has? Don't, 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 don't bother. I mean, you can put in another team that, that gives better things to. Yeah. I, to I, I would say no. Like they had a chance before. Yeah, but it was not, it was for Harden. That is different. Yeah. I don't think that the, yeah, and, and the price could be lower. Harden. And the price, like what they got is what you should get for Harden. Yeah. But now it's not for Harden. Would you like? I think that a player like that in Houston. Houston is a big city, yeah. So maybe he's amenable to play there. Maybe you have already you have already a center that can shoot the basketball mm -hmm. in Shingun. He doesn't play good defense right now, but I wonder. Like you have a gunner uh, as a as a lead guard. It's not that if you trade for him, you dramatically improve, especially if you take away. If you give away uh, Woods and 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 Gordon and and guys like that, mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's bad. Yeah, I would rather just try in the draft the next two years. But you you trade the next one, like it's not that that Simmons changes anything. Yeah, you may win like two three games more. So what? Yeah, Ugh, I don't know. I wouldn't do it. Uh, that's not the kind of team. I don't I would rather a team like Minnesota trade for him where he gets there and it's he's not like so much the man. Like you trade him to Houston now, it's like, all right guys, move aside. This is my team. You know. Really? You think that he would do that? Ben <laughs> Simmons? Yeah. Yeah. He would he would I I I picture him as a yeah, I mean, it's, this is not the way I like to play, but it's not the guy that, that will say, hey, this is this is my team. The dude is saying, I'm not even going to play for you. I'm not even going to play. He wanted, yeah, but this he is wanted Jimmy Butler. He wanted approach. Jimmy out of there. Yeah, exactly. It's even worse. Yeah, po possibly, but it's not like I'm the boss here. It's more... You think that he's going to get there and watch Jalen Green dribble between his legs 50 times before he takes a shot and be excited? Like, I Hey, just what's the other option? Um, I think there's lots of other options for him eventually. Good ones? I don't know if they're good ones or not. I just and all I I don't know. Houston has been a a train wreck of a of a team this year with regards to like chemistry and like the coaching staff looks miserable. There's a lot of players that, yeah. that are miserable. I I mean that that's Ben Simmons isn't exactly the kind of guy I'd like to add to that mix if I were Houston. Hmm. You know, yeah, it's kind of it's tricky. But but what is the team that can benefit from having him? Like where in, in which kind of structure are you putting him? Like um, 
I don't know, maybe like you need a strong organization. Um, and yeah, of course, you can say the Golden State Warriors, as always. You can always say the Warriors for anything. But I'm like, okay, let's let's take away. Uh, OKC, okay, so you don't want him. Uh, that is clear. Um, no way. He told me as much six days ago, so I will not push that uh, any yeah. longer. Wow. I, I think I don't want it as well. But I kind of think that he is dramatically undervalued right now. Yeah, I mean, that's why if I'm Minnesota or... Even the Kings, who like the Kings aren't playing for anything, like, like just yeah, do no, it. that yeah, like those. I think that those situations are fine. Like, do, like do that. Like you've already got some some pieces. Like he could possibly unlock and kind of help help out. Like Houston doesn't have that yet. Houston is like this mostly blank canvas that has like some some vague droppings of paint on them. You know, like I don't <laughs> I don't want I don't want that. You know. Yeah, yeah. Sacramento is much better. You're right. They are not a crazy. They've got team older guys on the team already, and they've got some guys that you could trade over that would make the Sixers better. Like if you did like Halliburton and Harrison Barnes. I oh no, 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 no. What do you mean no? What do you mean no? No, I don't want to trade away Halliburton. Well, I'm just saying, if you're gonna want, if if you're gonna get Philly to bite, that's probably got to be what it looks like. And not Fox. I don't know, man. Like Fox, I don't, I don't love the Fox and Bead pairing. Fox also has these like giant braces on his ankles that are just like massively concerning to me. That's why if you're Sacramento, that is the only thing that you do. And if you're Philly, you get him and it's the best hope. Um, and it's it's not that Philly has a problem with shooting. Yeah. Like they they, they can have four out with Embiid shooting 39% from three. Like Yeah, I just don't like the maxi fit with Fox. Like I like the maxi fit with Halliburton. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, that's that's where I would be. Like, I think adding, and maybe even it's Buddy instead of Barnes, and, like, you just add more shooting. But <laughs> oh, nobody, no, no, the team wants to compete. Buddy, he's so bad. He's really, defense. he is. He can't play in the playoffs. Like, just can't. Uh, that's probably true. That's That is probably true. However, I'd like to see him in a situation that matters. Like, he hasn't played in a situation that matters yet at all. Yeah. Put Simmons alongside him, and then maybe he can play in the playoffs. What about put him alongside Embiid? Even Embiid needs point of attack defense. It's the most important thing to... They're not asking him to be the point of attack defender, though. Oh, oh, but but the other team will do that. (laughs) Will absolutely make him do that. That's so true. I know. No, you need to you need to have a switchy defense if you want to to have him. Um, yeah. And and like a one through five switching and I don't know. I I have no idea. I I wouldn't sniff like a trade like that. But anyway, um, JJ, JJ, I don't know. I mean, JJ Redick figured out a way and way earlier. I know, but like, he didn't play for Sacramento. Who cares? He's thirty. I still want to see him in a better situation. Okay. I, I think situation matters a lot. And maybe sure. Sacramento has ruined him. Like, that's certainly possible. 
But it's Reddick right. had Stan Ben as a coach. He did. Early on in his career. I know. I know. I know. And Buddy That's, has had 75 coaches since he's been yeah. in the league. And 78 interim coaches. Yeah. It's a bad, it's a bad, bad situation. It's ugly. Uh, all right. So the Thunder play tomorrow night in Dallas. 7.30 tip, I believe. Should, mm-hmm. be, should be a fun one. They're on a, a road trip. They don't, they're not coming back to Oklahoma City until next Monday, so they're going to be on the road the rest of the week. So it should be quite interesting to see how this road trip goes for the Thunder. Uh, still have a lot of games to lose. We're through half of the season. And, you know, still another half. I'm interested to see what happens the rest of the way. Um, you know, Mike Muscala still doesn't play a whole lot for this team. And I don't know how many people tuned in to the post-game last night where Mark Degnault talked about how Mike is dealing with something with his ankle. Well, it turns out he's not really dealing with something with his ankle. He's It's just like normal NBA stuff, you know, with, with guys. Like they're always dealing with some kind of like nagging yeah. or this or that. Um, and they're always going to like he, – he had severe problems with his ankle at the end of last year that did keep him out. And it's going to be something he's going to have to kind of manage the rest of his career just like Westbrook has to manage his knee the rest of his career, just like, you know, Kevin has to manage his foot the rest of his career and stuff like that. So um, that's kind of more or less what he's dealing with. But you just have to wonder, like, at what point do they shut guys down? You know, we're less than a month away from the trade deadline. Who gets traded, if anybody? Uh, You know, you have to believe that they're going to try to get to the salary floor. Are they going to do that via trade? I mean, you'd think that at least a chunk of that would be via trade. And then maybe some of that is through some kind of signing somewhere. Uh, so I think a lot of interesting things are to come in the next few weeks for the Thunder. So it should be fun. Uh, all right. Be sure to follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barra. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Hey, leave us an Apple podcast five-star review if you can. If you like our show, if you listen to it often. Uh, we would appreciate that. We're going to start reading those on the show again. So if you leave us a five-star review, it will be read on the pod and here on YouTube as well. So subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else. Also, if you're on Spotify on your phone, you can leave us a five-star rating there as well. That would be extremely helpful if that's how you listen to the pod. It's great. Just leave us a little five-star. I don't think you can leave a review. I think you can just leave the stars. So we'll take the stars. Leave us the stars. All right. Have a great, great week. And we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.